0: Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled, multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church.
1: I I got. uh, let me me explain something to you. Um, First Corinthians chapter 12 in the Bible talks about different gifts of the Spirit and uh sometimes the, the holy spirit comes and he gives us some stuff to do and um to, to edify the body to build people up uh and so i um i gotta you know i gotta got a couple of prophetic words but i feel like i'm supposed to share one of them now for someone shavela can you stand for me i um i had a really um i so here's how prophecy is supposed to work nobody replaces jesus in your life amen nobody has the full story of what God is telling you. Jesus has a conversation with you and then he kind of like gives a little piece of that conversation to someone else and then you continue the conversation with Jesus. No one replaces God in your life. Uh, but God uses people for the conversation. Amen. And so I had this vision, Shavella, and uh, you're going to have to, uh, I don't know what it means, which means it's probably from God. Um, uh, I, I, I I don't try to figure things out that God doesn't explain to me, um, and uh, I don't try to make them sound bigger than they are, uh, but the Lord showed, I had a picture, you were in a room, and you were at a large desk, right? It was like a, um, it was kind of like a drafting table, um, and, or a project table, so to speak, and like blueprints, and there were plans, and there were lists, and there were, there were charts, and there was all kind of stuff on this table. And uh, they came from various sources, and it looked a little bit like a mess, Um, but I had the feeling, um, in my spirit, I felt like you're not a messy person, but the mess was messy because you hadn't figured it all out yet. You were trying to figure out how all these things go together. And I felt like the Lord, like some of the pages on this table were the Lord's blueprint and you knew something in all of this was God, but you weren't sure what. Does that make sense? So you had all these different things laid out on the tables. Anybody felt that way? Like there's all kinds of stuff in your life, and you're not sure what's the you stuff, what's the God stuff. And, and you, and you, um, at some point in your life, you get to a place of maturity where you actually want to know what's the God stuff and what's the you stuff. Because you spend a lot of times just assuming either it's all God stuff Or you don't care about god stuff right you're somewhere at one of the places but at some point you gained an awareness that some of this stuff was god stuff but you couldn't discern what was what and so the mess didn't bother you but the lack of clarity did right um and so i don't want to say you got discouraged because that's not correct um but you're somewhat dismayed we'll say and so and so in frustration you do what we all do when we get to the end of our thoughts We start to pray, right? What should have been at the beginning, you know, sometimes we, well, I've done everything else. Maybe I'll pray now, you know? And so you started to pray like, Lord, maybe you can help me figure out what if this is you and what if this is me? And as you prayed that, I saw Jesus had been standing there the whole time, right? And he's got his hands on some things on that table, and so there's some things that you can move off the table easily. And there's other things that aren't as easy to move. And you haven't been able to move those things off the table because those are the God things. Right? Um, and the word of encouragement, and this is going to sound really simple, the word of encouragement is God is at that table with you. And, and, um, but he's at the table with all of us. But you are at a junction point for some reason. For some reason, you were at, at a, at a, at a, at a, at a. I don't want to say a crossroad, but you, you have an opportunity at this moment, and God wants to invite you into this, this journey that's very different than you thought the journey you were going on. It's far more exciting, um, but there is an entire door beyond that one blueprint that will open up things that have been locked in your heart for years, and will bring um, fulfillment to things that you had only hoped for. That's the word. That's all I got, right? So I don't, I don't know what it all means. Um, I could make up some interpretation, but it wouldn't be as helpful as Jesus telling you, All right. I hope you received I Thank you for allowing me to share that with you. Amen and amen. You can sit down. Thank you so much. Um, I, I believe that the Lord is going to speak to many of us today. If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to um, John chapter 3. I'm going to read a lengthy portion of scripture <clears throat> again because in the uh, in the charismatic Pentecostal circles, we feel like we got so much of the Holy Ghost, we don't really need the Word so much anymore. That's why so many people get weird. That's an inside joke if you're not from revival history. We love the Bible, though, don't we, Miriam? We love the Bible, don't we? We love the Bible. I'm trying to button this. I'm having a hard time. All right, y'all ready to read the Bible with me? All right, let's do this. John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be more born when he is old? He can't enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of that which we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one who has ascended into heaven, no one has ascended into heaven, but he descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. And Father, we thank You. We thank You for Your Word, and we do trust that You will bless the reading of Your Word today in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen, Amen, and Amen, Amen. Thank you, Mikey. Hallelujah. 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 This this, uh, gospel, according to John, is written by the one called John the Beloved. And the church historically has used this term for the writer John, John the Beloved. Uh, Many believe that this is the same John the Beloved who wrote the book of Revelation. And I would like to be known as Carl the Beloved of Tracy, Carl the Beloved of Revival Life Church, Carl the Beloved of God most of all, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you love for me to be called that? Wouldn't you love, wouldn't it? Don't you all? No, but we all would like that. And um, we all want to be beloved by God. We are loved by God. But this beloved, John the Beloved, as, as we preach through the Scriptures in the, in the calendar, mostly in 2023, going to 2024, we'll be focusing on Matthew. But every now and then we'll be pouring in some of John, which we're here today. This long passage of John is a departure from that teaching from Matthew. And uh, we, we, we as a church, we need to grow. We need to grow in maturity, we need to grow in understanding. It's not against God to gain understanding. You do not somehow empower Holy Spirit by, be, by staying ignorant. People, some people think that you know the more we grow, the farther we are from God because we rely on ourselves. That's simply not true. The greater your vocabulary, the more words Holy Spirit can use through you. The greater your understanding, the greater the revelation Holy Spirit can speak through you. So we need to learn the Word of God so Holy Spirit has that Word in our heart that He can draw from to minister. We have to grow in the understanding of God. And we see as we study the Gospels, I have a a series on uh, Revival Life Church's website. If you don't know, all of our services are recorded Uh, You can download, you can subscribe to the podcast. You can download the MP3s. You can watch the videos. If the Lord speaks to you through a message, you need to go back and listen again. You need to meditate on that thing that God is doing on the inside of you. There are messages that you're like, I heard this once and God said something, but this isn't just me teaching a lecture. This is the Holy Spirit doing something in your heart. And so sometimes you need to listen to it two, three, four times. Get that word in your heart so that God can do what he wants to do. Matthew, there's a, there's a, what I was saying was there's a message series on our, on our uh, site uh, it's called uh, Four Gospels, One Jesus. It's a five-week message series that teaches the difference and similarities of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, written by four people to four different audiences with four different uh, points of view, four different purposes, all pointing towards one jesus and we have to understand that if we're going to teach people the word of god if we're going to understand the word of god so we see john and different john and matthew are a little different matthew is a matter of fact in his gospel when you read the book of matthew he doesn't he doesn't get into a lot of philosophical stuff he's he's right to the fact he he quotes jesus saying things like i am the vine i am the good shepherd i am the light of the world Matthew gives clear instructions about being a Christ follower. He says things like, those who serve the least of these, those who clothe them, those who feed them, those who do acts of charity, these are the ones who will be welcomed into the new, into the new age, into the feast, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Matthew is very clear on these things. Where John, John is far more concerned with the matters of the heart. John is far more concerned about what you believe. What you, what you hide in your heart, what's going on internally, what, 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 what the hidden things are that make up the structure of your life. Matthew wants us to go and do likewise. John is very concerned about what you think, what you think, what you believe, and how your heart operates. And as we are observing Lent as a church, which is so weird for many of us, we're not used to following the church calendar, and Lent, of course, is this 40-day period, not including Sundays between uh, the Ash Wednesday and the Resurrection Sunday, where we kind of meditate on what's, what's going on in my heart. What's, what are the motivating factors of my life? What, where is the room for God in me? What, what areas of my life still really do need Jesus. How how am I living? If you're from a religious background, and by religious, you know what I mean. If you're from a religious background, any kind of introspection always leads to guilt. You ever been to church where it's like a guilt trip? Let me say it this way. You ever been raised by a religious person who constantly is giving you a guilt trip, and that's all you know about God or church? It's constant guilt. You know, I grew up in, my mom is um, Italian. And I grew up in my mom's uh, Catholic Italian home, and um, my mom grew up in a very Catholic Italian neighborhood in Pittsburgh, and it was all about condemnation. It was all about you're going to do it wrong, and bad things are going to happen, and and all of this negativity, all of this overwhelming uh, shame, and and this burden, and and things are going to come up wrong, and there was no hope in any of that message. It all depended on you, and everything was going to be bad, right? Like, it was like there, was no, there was no grid for God actually came to die so I could have a better life. It all depended on me getting everything right. And um, my mom, to her credit, had gone to Catholic schools for her whole life, uh, up, up through most of high school, until she was kicked out of high school. Uh, I, I walk in my mom's footsteps in some ways there. And, um, and, uh, and, and she, she, she was tired of being beaten by nuns and decided that she wasn't raising her kids that way, so we called ourselves Episcopalians. We didn't know what that meant, either did she, but we weren't Catholic, right? But if you grow up religious, you think of all these church things are just new ways to feel bad. Right? You go to church so somebody can tell you how bad you are. You celebrate the things so you can see the bloody Jesus on a cross and so you can feel guilty about it. It's all very guilt-based. And, and let me just say this. Um, we use guilt-based religion when we don't trust that Holy Spirit will complete the work that he said he would do. Yes. Right? And so we don't, we, don't, we don't operate in a lot of guilt-based stuff here uh, because we believe Holy Spirit will do what he said he would do. We actually have faith in the Holy Ghost to convict people, to transform lives, and to bring us into something better. At the same point, if you feel guilty for feeling stupid, I'm not lifting that off. Sometimes we need to sit in our guilt a little bit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes your kid does something dumb and you want to bail them out immediately. You need to, you know, they, need to, they need to feel the pain of the stupidity, right? Stupidity should be painful, It should be painful. We need, to, we, need to, we need to not lift the pain of stupidity. We want people to know that making dumb decisions leads to a painful life. And so people are like, oh, you're trying to beat up on me. No, 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 I see the pain. The pain I'm giving you now is nothing compared to the pain you will endure if you continue down this very stupid road. You think it's fun, but it is going to lead to pain. That's what sin does. Sin leads to pain, right? Sin makes you ugly, and sin makes you stupid. right? Sin Sin makes you make very bad decisions. So sin is bad because it leads to bad places. Uh, sometimes you look at people, "Oh, I don't want to go down that road." Hallelujah. Don't do it, honey, okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we're observing Lent, but not with the idea of we're going to find all the bad things about us. We're observing this period where we're, where we're kind of giving up some luxuries, giving up some, some indulgences, giving up, giving up some, some, some luxuries in our life just to be comfortably uncomfortable so we can make room for God in our lives. Uh, Jonathan, can you turn me up one touch? I feel like I'm screaming, and I'm going to go hoarse, although I would preach shorter that way. Maybe they like it. I don't know. But, uh, but we're observing Lent because... We need, we need both. We need both um, this heart transformation that John is going for, and we also need to do the good works that Matthew is going for. And so we want in our hearts in this season to be a little uncomfortable to remind us of those who have no control over their discomfort because they are disadvantaged and we want to help them. We do acts of charity uh, is what the historic church says. And so we, we, we want to, in this season, we want to examine what we believe and how we are abstaining from certain indulgences so that we can do justice-making. That, that's the goal. God is after justice. God is after liberty. Liberty and justice is God's idea. It's not a governmental idea. This is what Jesus came for. And so we see, we see Nicodemus in our story here. And as we read about Nicodemus in the story, Nicodemus was a ruler of sorts. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. And as we've Studied before here in this house, the Sanhedrin were the groups that governed Roman provinces. Uh, there were 72 men who came together, and they ruled kind of like a congress, kind of like a parliament, and they were the ruling body over, uh, over a region of the Roman Empire. And, um, uh, and, and we see that, that Nicodemus was a member of this ruling party. Jesus called him a ruler of Israel. And he was also a Pharisee. So as a Pharisee, he was a leader of the Jews. And so here's a man in a leadership position. He, he, he thought that he was a ruler of God's kingdom. And, and Josephus said that there was about, about 3,000 Pharisees in the time of Jesus' life. Josephus was a historian around that time. So, so, so here's Nicodemus. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you here. Um, he's a leader of God's kingdom, and sometimes when we're a leader in God's church, we start to think that we get the, the, the line a little fuzzy between who the God is and who the man is. You ever been in a church where someone's got such a strong prophetic gift, they start thinking they're God? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And they start running people's lives based off their gift. You ever, you ever been there? I was talking to Duke about that this, this week, how we have seen that. At times, people have such a strong leadership gift, they think that they should start leading your family. They start speaking into areas that they aren't... Has anybody, anybody experienced that in church? Uh, leaders who just think that they forget that it's not really about them anymore, it's really about God, and it's about people coming to know God, people gaining the ability to hear and obey the voice of God. This is, this is the job of leaders in church, that they would train people in the ways of God. They could hear and obey God, that they could walk in God's promises and and walk away from God's curses and, and, and flourish in their ability to know God. And many people today have church hurt because of leaders like Nicodemus who think that they are somehow higher than they are. Really, we're all just people. We're all just people just trying to do right by God. We're trying to function, trying to do right by our family, trying to pay our bills, trying to, trying, to, trying to get a job that's a little better than the job we have trying to get a little bit more money than we have right now, just a little bit more margin in our lives, trying to be a little bit more righteous, trying to be a little bit better friend, just be a little bit better parent, be a little bit better spouse, like be a better son or daughter, be a better servant of God. This is, this is what we're trying to do. And sometimes people get a little religion on them and they realize that now I'm working for the King of Kings. And so somehow they think that raises their proximity. I've noticed, I don't know a lot of celebrities, but I've known a handful of the who's who of the charismatic zoo. And what I have found is that the, the big name people, the big name people are, are generally normal people. It's their assistants who are insufferable. It, it's rarely the, the, the big prophet who thinks he's somebody. It's the big prophet's assistant. Those are the people who normally think they're somebody, and they don't. They they're like, no, no, you 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 can't touch him. You can't come near him. I'm like, he asked for some water. I'm bringing water. I don't know who you think you are. I'm just, it ain't all that serious. It's just a man. Yeah, don't don't get too excited here, right? But but since they're close to somebody with power, they therefore think that they're powerful, and this is the trap of power that we can all fall in. We just were so desiring to be somebody. We start acting like we're somebody we're not to overcome some sort of inner insecurity, to need to be significant. And and, and here Jesus is talking to somebody who is in a full place of power, yet is meeting someone like he has never met before. He's met lots of people in Israel as he's ruled on the Sanhedrin. He's met a lot of people in 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 the synagogues as he's been a a Pharisee, but he's never met anybody like Jesus because like we said last week, Jesus had full self-awareness. Jesus was fully aware of what motivated him. He was fully aware of what was happening in his heart. He was fully aware of how he presented to other people. He was fully aware of his surroundings. He wasn't operating in any kind of delusion. He wasn't uh, operating in any kind of self-consciousness, fear, or insecurity. Jesus was fully aware and fully present. And this unnerved the people around him. We 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 think of this. We meet people like this and especially if we're immature, we'll think that they're arrogant. We will see somebody who is fully self-confident. You might see a worship leader like today stand on stage and begin to sing boldly. And they'll be like, oh, that, look, how, look, look how prideful that person is. And not recognizing, they're like, no, no, I've actually met Jesus. I'm fully aware that he's God and I'm not. And I could sing boldly to him knowing I'm not touching his glory at all. I hear the warning all the time, don't touch God's glory. Let, let me help you out. You can't. You don't rob glory from God. You can't. It is not possible. All you can do is lie about who you are, but you will never touch God's glory and you will never steal it from him. It is not possible. If you've met the real God, you will never fall for a person. Amen. And so here we have, here we have Nicodemus and, and and Nicodemus, um, you know, as this, as this Pharisee, as this, member of the Sanhedrin, you know, we see him showing up. Nicodemus turns into Nick at night, right? So he shows up in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night to talk to Jesus, right? Like what, 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 he's going in the shadows, not in the daytime, not when people might see him, he's, 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 given that late night call, right? He's, I'm I'm not going to call it out, but you know, he's, he's given that, he's given that late night call, um, why is he doing this? Why is he calling in the middle of the night? Why, why, why won't he come in the day? You know, people come in secret for two reasons. Uh, one is to protect you. The other is to protect themselves. Some people want to have secret conversations to protect you. And these are the kind of people you want in your life. These are the people who come to you and they say things like, listen, listen, I, I, listen I'm going to say this and you can ignore it. I'm not going to tell nobody else I said this. But I haven't seen you do this. And, and, you know, this is going to lead down a very bad path. I'm not going to tell anybody. Like, this is between me and you. But as your friend, this, this is ugly, and you need to do something about this. I, I, I'm still going to be your friend. I'm, I'm still going to walk with you. But you, you, you need to do something about this. I have friends like this who encourage me in the Lord uh, this morning, I got a prophetic text. Like, if you don't have prophetic people in your life, just start praying them into your life, right? Just start praying them into your life. I have a prophet friend of mine texted me this morning, just the greatest word of edification. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for this man in my life. He can't, he's not going to tell anybody else this, but he's going to tell me the things he sees, and I'm thankful. These are the kind of people, these are the relationships that can be painful, but you need in your life people who will be honest with you, but won't gossip about you. Right? These are people who come to you secretly for your benefit. Then there's people who come to you secretly for their benefit. And here's how they say they say They say things like this. They say, hey, um, don't tell anybody I said this, but... I don't know what just happened, Mike. You've got to help me out. We've got to mute something. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking. That's well. Wrong key. I need a little. Well. Anyways. Well. I don't know what key that is, Mikey. You can work that out for me later. Um, they they start off with things like they start off with things like don't tell anybody I said this or you know they they they, they want to come instead of talking to you about you they want to talk to you about somebody else. Now don't tell her I said this, but. And, 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 and these are people who are trying to bring subterfuge to what God is trying to do. Are we still on? Is this on? Am I good? Are we good? Yeah? I'll make sure I'm not muted. You know, I, I got stuff to say. If you want to live a better life, you if you get nothing out of this message other than this, you want to foster the first type of relationship, and you want to give the the strong arm to the second kind of relationship because I will promise you right now when they're saying this about your other friend they are saying it about you that that and that is this is not what you need in your life you need to be like hey stop right there I'm good no thank you let me go to you in secret now and tell you something that I see since you like to come in secret let me come in secret I'm not going to tell nobody this but you a gossip I, I know you thought that you came to me to tell me something, but really God brought you to me for me to tell you something. You were gossiping. You need to stop this. And now when, let me know when you get this worked out because then I can trust you again. Amen. See, right now you're not trustworthy, and I'm a good enough friend to tell you that. Right? I need you all to get this in your spirit. I've been, I've been, come on, I need you to get this in your spirit. I've been in too much church drama where people like, oh, really? Oh, really? Like, no, that's. I'm like, I'm, I, oh, Jesus. Okay. I just, you don't learn anything through gossip. You don't learn nothing but sin through gossip. Someone come to you, oh, I don't know if you know this, but I don't know you know this, but you know, Duke got this thing. Really? Dang, let's call him right now and get this worked out because we're his friend. Oh, no, 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 no. But wait a minute. I thought you said, I thought you were concerned about Duke. We need to go to him right now and help him out. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, this, this ain't a Duke thing. This is a you thing. Oh, this is a you thing. It ain't going to be a me thing, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) I don't know about you. The older you get, the more precious your friendships get. Because the older you get, the less you have. And you want to hold on to the ones you got. Listen, if you're like 19, you got 50 friends, hold on to it now, right? (laughs) Right? Because they say the miracle of the Bible is that this man who was 33 had a dozen friends. And that's like a miracle. You got a dozen close friends at 33. You done did something really, really well, right? And so don't let somebody come in to try to sow all this nonsense to separate what God has brought together. That is the devil. The the, the role of elder in the house of God, like when you are charged in the church history, is to preserve the unity of the saints and to root out those who would disrupt it. And so what you want to do in your life is walk in that wisdom. And as soon as you hear that gossip, you say, oh, let's just go to that person right now. Let's restore fellowship. We see the work of the devil here. Let's start knitting this together. Let's start doing the work of Christ and the Holy Ghost to knit people together and root out those who would sow division in the house of God. This is what you want to do. Amen, amen, amen. When my kids were little and they would fight, we'd make them hug until they laughed. They'd be acting nasty. We just get done with. It. I'd be like, I say, y'all just hug right here. They didn't want to hug. You just hug, and don't move. Don't move till I say you can move. They just have to hug. And they'd be mad and they hate it. And within like ten minutes, they start tickling each other and they start giggling. I'm like, all right, see this, 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 this is who we are. We are Team Thomas. This is, this is what we did in my house. We are Team Thomas, and we never speak to somebody outside of Team Thomas negatively about somebody inside Team Thomas. It never happens. We don't do that. We, like, if you can't count on anybody else on this planet, you can count on Team Thomas. This right here is a safe place for you, right? And this is what the house of God is supposed to be. The house of God is supposed to be a safe place, a safe place where you get to sometimes be ugly, Sometimes you do that gossip thing comes out, but a real Christian says to you, hey, hey, I know you're really concerned about that person, but I'm concerned about you. I don't enter into your sin. I say, ooh, I, that's, I'm not mad at you that came out, because that's the Holy Ghost who wanted to see that working on the inside of you come to the light of a real Christian and get that worked out of you. Amen. That, 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 that's that, that's, that's what, one class we all clap. This, that's the rule in revival Life. That's the role of a real Christian. But, but, but Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night. And what's funny is Jesus uses the phrase born again with Nicodemus. We all know this passage of Scripture. Everybody's heard of it. But, but, but this is the only time that Jesus uses this phrase, born again, in the Bible. It's, it's, he uses it with Nicodemus. He doesn't go around telling everyone you must be born again. And, and neither should you. Why? Why, why? Well, you think people don't need to be saved? I didn't say saved. I said born again. Yeah. Jesus used the phrase born again once. We all need to be saved. Amen. And I am being saved. Amen. The, the Orthodox Church that we are being saved until the moment that we need to be saved, which is at the judgment seat after we die. That's when you are truly saved. At this moment, judgment is not upon me. Amen. But once to die, and then the that's when you need to be saved. Right. And so we are being saved. I am walking out my salvation with fear and trembling. So we all need to be saved. But he only tells Nicodemus here to be born again. Are you guys following along? Good. So so this 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 wouldn't be good news if you were like witnessing to a Hindu. Hindus believe in reincarnation and they believe that I might be born again as a as a bug. I might be born again as a horse. I might be born again as a a better person, not someone higher in the caste system, lower in the caste system. So if you tell them, you need to be born again, they're like, well, I, I, I will be. That's, that's not a problem. Thank you for letting me know that. I'm good to go. So that wouldn't necessarily, it wouldn't necessarily work in that instance. In other places, Jesus used other illustrations and phrases. With the rich young ruler, he told him to sell all that he has and give his money to the poor and then come and follow Jesus. Uh, with the woman at the well, he told her she needs living water. With the crowd that followed him, after he miraculously multiplied the bread and the fish, he tells them that unless they eat his flesh and drink his blood, they won't be saved. And with the woman caught in adultery, he tells her that he doesn't condemn her, but she needs to go and leave her life of sin. My point is that Jesus didn't go around telling everyone they need to be born again. Jesus approaches each of us individually in each circumstance in very unique ways. He tells us something that tends to press on a specific idol or a specific obstacle in our lives that keep us from following God. Man, Jesus is like really, really good at finding that one thing. We're like, everything is good except for this one thing. And Jesus like, what a coincidence. That's the thing I want you to deal with. (laughs) What a coincidence. And Jesus puts his finger on it. And when Jesus puts his finger on something, he don't never lift it off. It don't never come off. Let me tell you, it don't never come off. And so what we do sometimes and what we see in the scripture is, We come up to that thing, and it's got a big finger on it. And they're like, I know how I'll get there. And we just run on over here, run over here, do this. All right, now I know how to get, boom, finger, still there. Jesus is like, I still told you to make up with your mom. You're like, oh, no, 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 you don't remember what my mom did to me. I know what I'll do. I'll go this route over here, go around the mic stand. I'll be a worship leader for a little bit, come back down. Now I'll come into the ministry, finger. He's like, you still ain't made up with your mom yet. You're like, oh, he must mean spiritual mom. So you go to pastora, getting good with the pastor. Everything's going good, doing good at work. Now coming to my call, finger. How about your mom? How's your mom doing? Jesus knows how to touch things. And, and he'll, just, he'll just, he'll just, he'll just, like when he put, when God puts his finger on something, like I tell people, like this can take as long as you'd like. Like gee, he ain't in a hurry. He he really does have time. <laughs> like he possesses time. Like he it, he owns it, right? Like he he it's all his. Any time that's ever existed is in Christ. Like and he he's got all the time you want to waste on this one thing. And so so you can drag it out as long as you want. You think you can find a shortcut? The Godemus thinks going at night is going to make things easier. No, that that that's just it's not how it works. When God puts his finger on that idol in our lives. And I don't want you to think of idol like in uh, brujeria or voodoo, you know, it's something that you're literally sacrificing things to. That If you got that, get rid of it, right? Like Just, 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 just <laughs> throw that stuff away, right? Let's just do yourself a favor. But we all have things in our lives that could be idols. And an idol is anything you check with before you obey God. God says, why don't you give this? And you're like, yeah, but Whatever the butt was, that's the idol. We all got idols in our lives that you got to be watching for. And they generally live right in the midst of your insecurities. You protect your idols with your insecurities. This isn't even the message I was planning on preaching. But just, just, just hear this right here. So, like, we got, we, got, we got some, like, barren areas of our hearts, and we just plant an idol in the midst of it to protect it. And we think it's an area of strength, but it's not. It's, it's, it's to keep us away from where God wants to heal. And so we got to chart into that wilderness of fear and anxiety and insecurity to deal with the place where an idol sits where Jesus wants to reign. That's a good word right there. I don't know. But you just might, yeah. <clears throat> see, see, religion doesn't work. Nicodemus had all the religion anybody in the land had. He had all the religion. But, but, but religion won't do it. He, he finds an idol, and he puts his finger on it. and so. But why does he tell Nicodemus specifically to be born again? This is what I want to talk about this morning. And I'm going to talk briefly because I believe we're going to minister and people are going to be touched. Why does he talk about Nicodemus about being born again? See, Nicodemus was able to reach the top of the game based on the family he was born into. Because he was of a certain class of people, he was able to be a Pharisee and be a member of the Sanhedrin. And it was his ability to climb the religious ladder. Being born a Pharisee, Jesus was saying, won't do it for you. He has to be born again. And literally it says to be born from above. We have to be born from above. Born of spirit and water. Jesus challenged what made Nicodemus somebody in the kingdom of God. And any somebody that makes you something, God at some point is going to come against Folks who think that they are right with God because of the religion they're born into is the biggest challenge in ministry. As you want to share the love of God with people, you ask people, you know, hey, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? They'd say, yeah. And you say, why? And they, re- they repeat to you the religion they were born into. Oh, I'm Catholic or uh, I'm, I'm Jewish or I'm, I'm Muslim, but none of those things guarantee you a spot in the kingdom of God. You I would dare say that you cannot be born a Christian. You may be born into a Christian home. You may be born into Christian ethics. But at some point, you have to choose whether or not you are going to give your life to Jesus and receive His forgiveness for your sins, lay down your own will, and follow Him on purpose. That is a decision that we have to make. We have to choose God and resist the devil we have to receive heaven and resist hell we have to desire the blessing and reject the curse we have to make that choice that adam got wrong in the garden we have to choose the tree of life and reject the knowledge of good and evil this is the choice he was telling nicodemus he had to make jesus challenged what nicodemus what made Nicodemus somebody in the kingdom of God? He went to the heart of it and he challenged him. If you might have been born a certain religion, Catholic, Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, whatever, went through all the rituals, went all, all the rites, I want you to hear the words that Jesus spoke. Put it up if you would please. You must be born again. You if you think that you're right with God because of what you have done in your religion, you must be born again. If you think you are somebody because your family has money, you must be born again. People say I was born right the first time. Uh Uh-huh. Let me know how that goes in the afterlife. We must be born again nobody is born a Christian. We must be born again. In fact, we read in verse 3. Let's look at verse 3. Jesus said and answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't even see the kingdom until you're born again. You, you, you You don't even know what God is doing. The most frustrating people to witness to are people who think they know God and just sound like morons. Have you ever been there? You're talking to somebody about the Jesus whom you have met, and they start spouting off philosophies and theories. I'm like, tell me how that's working out for you. This is why we need miracles in the church. This is why we need the supernatural. This is why we need the gifts of the Spirit. This is why we need healing. This is, this is why we pray at the end of the service. We invite people to the front, and they receive miracles. I, I was going to have... Chelsea, come up today. we will to have them next week. Um, we're seeing miracles pop out in the jails now, like crazy. Mary Jane back there excited. She's seen a bunch of them. We have to have the working of God. There are these late night conversations with Jesus when people are confused and people we think have no relationship with God. People are laying in bed crying out for direction in the midnight hour. Let me tell you, if that's you, if you find yourself, you are very close to the kingdom. You are very close to the kingdom. If you are, if you are, if you are, if you resonated with that prophetic word of all these plans out there, and you can't discern which are God and which are man, that's you are very close to the kingdom. God has stoked a hunger on the inside of you that He desires to fill so desperately. He really wants to minister to you in your lost and broken places. He really wants to help people, He wants to use your hands. To lay hands on broken people that their hearts would be healed. He wants to use your words to open the kingdom of God to other people. He wants to show a love to you that you have not known through your family or through your peer group. He wants to bring a community to you that you have not experienced in online gaming or on or in Instagram or through an artificial community. He wants life on life Skin-on-skin, word-to-word, heart-to-heart relationships where you can trust people that are based on one ultimate truth that Jesus Christ is God. This is what you were designed for. and We were designed to share this with people. This, this is why we are here. Remember, as Jesus is, 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 is ministering to people like Nicodemus, uh, people like John heard these stories for a reason. We don't know if John was right there next to him. We don't know if John overheard it. We don't know if, if Nicodemus was bold enough to come into the crowd. We don't know, we don't know if Jesus relayed it later, but we believe that John overheard this. And Jesus did everything on purpose. He was about three years he walked the earth and he was preparing his disciples to run the entire global church. Now, I have no idea how you prepare people to run a church after three years, from lost to now, you gotta, you gotta figure. You gotta figure he died. And 50 days later, they were born with the Spirit. So they weren't even saved three months before they were in charge of the church. Now, they were discipled for, by Jesus for, for, for three years. But they didn't get saved until there was a resurrection. Then they got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and within two months, they were head of the church. That's, that's not wise, but that's how God chose to do it. You've got to believe the Holy Ghost was doing something significant at that time. But Jesus is telling these stories. He's preparing his disciples to run the church after he leaves. And his whole life, Jesus, as you read his words, Jesus is preparing for his death. His whole life he's preparing how he's going to leave behind something better than what he came into. I hope that you have a similar mindset. I hope your entire life is not built on what you can accomplish right now, but what legacy you're leaving behind, what people you're able to bless, what legacy you're leaving through your children, what finances you're laying up for generations that come after you. I hope that you are able to look into the future and say, I want to leave the earth a little better than how I found it. You see, the enemy wants you to focus just on you. Just get by, get that car that other people have, get that hairstyle that's new now, get that per. Get that job, get that house, and, and we gotta live for something that endures a little bit longer than that. Yeah. We gotta live for something a little bit, I mean, like nobody wants to wear shoes they bought 10 years ago. The thing that you are striving for right now in five years will be out of style. We have to have a longer vision than that. We we have to be living for somebody and something that we do not yet see. It is my prayer that my life leaves something that my grandchildren are thankful for. I I I I I want people that are not even born yet one day to say I'm blessed because that man chose Jesus. I'm, I'm I want my I want my Amen. I want my children's children's children to say this is the story of my family. And many of us have this kind of story already. Many people in this room, your family left a foreign land to come to the United States hoping that their kids would not have to struggle just to eat we not have to struggle just to have a job. This is the story of God. This is the story of God's people like we're going to have to move to come into a promised land where we can do better. But I'm here to let you know this promise doesn't stop at just more money or more food or better clothes, but it comes in coming into the kingdom of God, fully coming into the blessing of God, fully realizing the dreams that maybe your grandparents or your parents had when they left their homeland, but they didn't even know it was even bigger than that, that you were going to come into a place where not only are you going to be doing better educationally, or you're going to be doing better financially, or you're going to be doing better governmentally, but you're going to be doing better spiritually. You're actually going to know, hear, and obey the voice of God. You're going to be baptized in the Spirit of God, and you're going to speak forth mysteries that only heaven can interpret. And you're going to do things on this earth, in this country, in this little town here in South Florida that affects generations after you, that you are being knit into something so much bigger connected to people all over the world, worshiping the same God, creating an anointing that sets the captives free by your worship. Like this is the full vision that you were created for. This is why people came. This is why. They may not know it. They may have thought they were coming for money, but God had a better plan. And so Nicodemus sees himself at night, but Jesus is using this as a bigger plan and Jesus is preparing his disciples To lead when He's not around. He says here in verse 8, He says, The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. But do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Now, today we know more scientifically about what causes wind. What causes wind patterns than they knew when these Scriptures were written. They... Maybe they had an idea, you know, they, 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 they fished, they understood tides, they understood how the waters work, and they understood different, um, different patterns, lunar patterns, they understood all that, and maybe they understood certain storms where, with certain winds. We understand now more where wind comes from and all that. I, I don't, um, but you know, collectively we do. <laughs> the collective we under, under, understand it. Somebody does. Uh, but, but so often... Uh, we use this scripture to talk about the holy spirit how holy spirit we don't know where he's coming from or where he's going because we don't fully know what the spirit is doing uh, i find it easy to understand the father what the father's doing you know he is a father he's we kind of think sometimes he's up there with like a maestro pulling strings on the earth you know kind of running everything we understand jesus because we have lots of stories about his interaction with people but the but the spirit the spirit and that gets a little scary I watched a, a movie. My wife and I watched a movie last night. And uh, uh, have, have you seen, Ameri- uh, what, what's it called? The Jesus Revolution. Have you seen the movie yet? Go see it. It's, I, I have studied that period of uh, history. I've preached on it lots of times. Uh, it, was, it was mostly good, ex- ex- except for the parts that, that, that weren't, right? And, um, um, and for me specifically, it's the part where the Holy Ghost comes in. And uh, what happens is, God does something and the Holy Ghost moves. And the Holy Ghost ain't asking for permission. The Holy Spirit does what He wants to do. The Holy Spirit moves however He wants to move. And all people can really do is is prevent His work. All All people can really do is create an atmosphere where they don't let Him be God. And so we, we as people of the Spirit have to be open to the move of the Spirit. And so we read the Scripture and we say, man, the Holy Spirit, we don't know where He's coming from. We don't know where He's going. But that's not what the Bible actually says. Would you put that verse back up for me? If you would, please. Bella. It says, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes and where it's going. So is, what's that next word? Everyone who is born of the Spirit. Are you ready for a life where you don't know where you're coming from or where you're going? Are you ready? Are you ready to be the one where God says, I think I'm ready for someone to go here or go there. And you wake up one day and you lose your job. And you're like, I don't understand why I just lost my job. And then you lose your house. You're like, I don't understand why I just lost my house. And you're like, I feel like I'm supposed to move to wherever. Because God... Needed to get you to wherever. Are you ready to be the one where you wake up in the middle of the night and the Lord tells you, hey, you know that sister in church? Oh, the broke one? Yeah, the broke one. I need you to tell her. I need you to give her $500 and let her know that's a seed because she's going to be a business owner one day. And you're like, I'm not sure I'm ready to give her $500. I don't know that I hear God at the $500 level. I may hear God at the $20 level. I might, I might hear God at the Arizona iced tea level. I'm not sure I'm at that special anointing level of the $500 level. And Jesus, like behind that $500 seed is going to be your whole harvest. And that is going to be a seed into their harvest. And you're like, I don't understand why I'm doing this. Because those who are born of the spirit don't, don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on. All we can do is start to learn the voice of God and heed his ways. And so he's trying to tell Nicodemus, you, you, you don't accomplish so much. Good for you. Oh, boy. Wow. So I'm very impressed. I remember when the entire world was spoken through me. You know, I remember when I created everything that was created. Nothing that came into existence came into existence except through me. But the fact that you got on the Sanhedrin, had good job, man. That's 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 really amazing, and you came in the middle of the night because you know you didn't want anybody to see you coming to talk to me. Uh, but you came, and i I feel so honored that you, somebody I made, uh, came to me. That's that's really awesome of you to be courageous like that. Uh, uh, but 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 you know Nicodemus, Nicodemus, and everybody who would call themselves a disciple of Jesus are going to come have to come under and surrender to the control of the Spirit. This is the real gospel. We need to come under the conviction of and surrender to the control of Holy Spirit. This is what our world needs. We run from pain to pain and try to control our lives. We see the pain in our lives and we run from it to what we think will solve it. But Holy Spirit is creating a place of surrender. Surrender. Where Jesus can heal. Let me tell you what it says in Romans chapter 4, excuse me, Romans chapter 8. He says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Have you been in a place where you're like, I don't know why, but I just feel like God is telling me to do this. That could be scary, right? Being a son of God is not always the most carnally secure place in the world. Can, can, I, can, can I just pastor you in that in a second? Yeah. If, if you feel this a lot, if you're a kind of person who runs to and fro a lot, you feel like Holy Spirit is leading you, chaotic places a lot, get some elders in your life to hear God with you. Nobody should have to hear God alone. Amen. Nobody replaces the voice of God in your life. Yeah. But nobody should hear God alone. Yeah. And I would, I would counsel, develop relationships with people you trust, So that you never make a major life decision alone. Never make a major life decision alone. That will keep you safe. Don't let other people make major life decisions for you. But you never have to make them alone. This has kept me safe. This has kept my wife and I safe. We have gotten a lot of counsel we didn't like. But I'm standing on this stage today because I've been submitted to godly counsel over the long term. Council, I didn't always like. There was a time when uh, I I wanted to be in ministry really bad, and uh, I knew I was called to ministry, but I was uh, uh, I was under I would just say I wasn't in a in a a position where they encouraged that because they were threatened by it. Just just hear me with grace, and uh, and uh, I I was a leader of a church that was very very unhealthy, and the doctrine had gotten very unhealthy. And I knew it was time to leave. I was getting ready for church one morning. And the Lord said to me, resign your position, start a church in your home. Resign your position in the church and start a church in your home. I was like, well, that sounded good to me. I was ready. I, was, I, I didn't know that I wanted to leave the church, but I was done being a part of that church. And so I went to the elders in my life that were not my pastor because I no longer trusted him. And I said, listen, this is the word of the Lord that he said to me. And they said, yes, yes, Carl, absolutely. Resign your leadership position in that church. That other part I don't know about. I was like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I I have, I am on the Sanhedrin now. You're telling me to give up my position and not get another one. And I was like, well, maybe he hears God, maybe he doesn't. So I went to another elder in my life. I had three. One I didn't trust anymore, right? So I, I had all, so now I'm down to two, right? And so I'm, I'm hoping for a split decision, you know, so I can... So I can break the tie, right? And so I went, I went to the third one, and I said, listen, this is what the Lord said to me. He said, yes, I absolutely agree with that. You absolutely are supposed to resign your position in the church. No, you're not supposed to start a church. I was like, that's not good. Now, now I just resign my position. What I did not know, that, that little and, resign, and, each letter was a year. And in that year, the second elder said, what you need is some ministry school so you don't repeat the problems that you just came out of. Get you some training. Get you some ministry training. Then you can maybe start something. And three years later, like, I, I, it wasn't even planned. Three years later, I started an outreach that, that became this church. Amen. <laughs> we had a We had a job lined up in Georgia where I was going to be a youth pastor in Georgia, and they were all like, no. No, I was like, This is it. I have found a way to come into the call of God in my life. This is, I knew I was created to be in ministry. I knew I wanted to preach. I was doing well in youth ministry. I had a job lined up in Georgia, and I went to my spiritual leaders, and both of them again said, No, that ain't it. And I had replaced the third one at this point, and he, and, uh, he gave me a neutral answer. I was like, What's up with that? And so finally, when we realized that job wasn't gonna work out, I called the third guy. He was like, Man, I've been praying and fasting that you don't go to that job. I was like, What's. Leave me in the wilderness. What's up with that? But, but that has preserved me. I'm preaching you what I, what I live by. That has preserved me. And, and, and um, I have elders in my life. I don't make major decisions without elders. We don't make major decisions in this church, crazy, unless I bring. Last time we had to do something really significant, I brought an elder. From another state to come in here and speak to the elders of this house so we could, hey, listen, make sure I'm not seeing this, I might not be seeing this right. Mike, come in and look into it. Mike, look into it. No, no, you're seeing this right. There's another elder in this, in this church who's not an official elder, but he's been an elder in my life for 20 years. He looked through, he's like, oh no, we've been talking about this for six months. That's a demon. And so we brought an elder in from Michigan, and he said, yeah, that's the spirit of Satan. And so we came in, and people didn't want to listen to elders. And, and then brought the bishop, called my bishop. He said, oh, that's, this is Jesus. Cutting things out of your life, I'm like, this is painful, Bishop. This is painful. And he's like, yeah, next time. Like, well, I can't get into all that. But but he let me know, like, you don't want to set yourself up for this again. You need to walk in truth the whole time. You need to deal with issues as they come up. And my bishop stood on this stage, and he said, "There's people who refuse to walk in wisdom." And you'll see, soon, they won't even attending church. They won't even be followers of the way. And I prayed, we don't curse people here. You leave, we bless you. If You're like, Pastor, I don't know if I like this church. Lots of good churches in Boca, right? None as good as this. But you know, there's lots of, <laughs> lots of. <laughs> there's lots of good churches in South Florida. Just, there's lots of great churches in South Florida. So we don't curse people on the way out. It's not what we do. But we'll call sin, sin. Um. But I, I was ready to be flown with the Spirit of God as, as a son of God. But I had leaders in my life who kept me from being tossed to and fro. So if you got friends who are constantly telling them, get some elders in your life. Get some, Does this make sense? That was an entire bunny trail. I'm not sure who that's for, but listen to it. You're not above having an elder in your life. Fourteen, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God, for you have not received the spirit of slavery leading again to fear, But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. See, when the Holy Ghost really moves in your life, He doesn't come to condemn you or beat you up, He comes to draw you closer to the Father. He comes and knits you into the family of God. And this is what Jesus is trying to do to Nicodemus. He wasn't mad that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. wasn't mad that Nicodemus was in the Sanhedrin. He was trying to get him to overcome his idols so he can come into an intimate relationship with the Father through the shed blood of Jesus by the wooing of the Spirit. This is what Jesus was trying to set up. God loves you with an everlasting love, but you can only receive it by The Spirit. You are called to be a child of God, but it's only by the Spirit that this can happen. Remember, only those born of the Spirit can see the kingdom of God. Only those born of the Spirit. Political side note. I'm tired of politicians telling us who to hate because they don't act like we want them to act. Unsafe people act like unsafe people, including politicians. We cannot expect sinners to act like saints. They don't have the Holy Ghost. That's why we need to love them. Worship team, come up if you would. I've got to cut this off. I'll talk all day. <laughs> Hear me. Hear me. Only those born of the Spirit can see the kingdom of God. And we're coming up on election season again. And people are going to try to divide our country again. I don't care if our country gets divided. Our church can't be divided. Our church cannot be swayed by people who do not demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. We don't see charity, love. We don't see grace, them, them, them long-suffering. If, we don't, if, we don't, if it don't sound like Jesus, just know they're just trying to get votes because that's what they do for a living. I'm not mad at the guy at the carnival trying to talk me into buying three softballs to win a a stuffed bear. I know he's lying. I'm never going to win the stuffed bear. I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at lying politicians who tell me God wants this and that because I know they don't actually know God because they're lying. Like I know I'm not mad at them but neither will I let them pastor me. I need you guys to hear this because things are going to get worse before they get better. Because people still think these people are being led by the Spirit, and they're not. I need you to hear what I'm saying. We need to stop judging others that don't have your revelation. There is a God-shaped void in their life. And you speak to that when you do acts of justice toward them. There's there is a lot of gossip about the church. A lot of people they they, they see they see certain pastors and there's gossip, and people slander the churches because they don't know Jesus. You know, there, there's grocery stores that I don't like. I don't, I, don't, I don't go to dirty grocery stores. Do you? I still go to grocery stores, though. Like, oh, this pastor, that pastor, whatever. There's like 19 million churches in America, and you found a bad one. That means you're going to turn away from God. It's because you don't know Jesus. Oh, the church is filled with hypocrites. Publix is filled with hypocrites. You know the bar is filled with hypocrites. and You're there all the time. Come on, somebody. It ain't about being a hypocrite. It's about Jesus convicting people. Verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have everlasting life. What does Nicodemus do? What does Nicodemus do after this entire long discourse? Kind of disappears. But he doesn't disappear from the Bible. Jesus walks away in the middle of the night, or excuse me, Nicodemus walks away, and Jesus doesn't say, "See, that's why he ain't going to heaven." Like you know, he doesn't. He, he, you don't start cursing him. Jesus goes on about his business because sometimes it takes some time. What we find is people start off as secret disciples. They think, "Well, I can do this relationship on my own with God." I, I have a, I have a. <laughs> I had a guy one time, I'm talking to him about Jesus. I'm like, well, I was really, he says, I have a, but I have a personal relationship with God. And I was like, well, that's awesome because you know what I do for a living? I help people with their personal relationship with God. That's that's beautiful. Maybe God brought us together. That's awesome. But like, I have a personal relationship. That's how Nicodemus started off. He had this secret personal relationship. Maybe you have a personal relationship in the middle of the night. You talk to God. Not quite public publicly. They haven't quite got water baptized not necessarily faithful in your finances yet. It's a personal relationship, just just you and God. We see see Nicodemus again later on. We see Nicodemus in in, in John chapter 7. He's at the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin's ready to judge Jesus without talking to Jesus. And now Nicodemus is a little uncomfortable. He's like, ah, I, I actually met the guy. I've actually talked to him. I've actually looked into his eyes. I actually experienced his grace, and, and and he and he, he kind of you know he's not ready to be public yet. They're like, wait, maybe, maybe we shouldn't judge him quite yet. Maybe maybe we should hear him out before we pass judgment. Maybe, maybe we should just slow down a little bit. And the Sanhedrin's like, wait, what? We we already got a system set up. Why? What? But we see in the in the spirit, we see this outworking of faith in Nicodemus's life, and. Finally in John chapter 19, Jesus is crucified. And they're getting ready to bury him. And, and as we as we know in the in the Middle East, what they do is they would take a body and they put it in a in a cave on a sandstone bench which absorbs all the fluids until your body is completely decomposed and they get your bones and they put it in an ossuary and they keep the bones. And so the decomposure obviously smells and so they would anoint your body for burial. And the richer you are the more they would put on your body to keep the smell to preserve your dignity. We see in John chapter 19 Nicodemus shows up with what anthropologists tell us was an amount of myrrh an amount of aloes as what is prescribed for kings to be buried with. He showed up with 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. Nicodemus had realized that Jesus is the king. And he brought those to anoint the body of the Christ. We see him pass from the old life to the new. And I would say today, there's probably some people in the room today that God is challenging you to pass from the old to the new. You might still be at the place where you're thinking you're going to question Jesus and get Jesus on your team. No doubt Nicodemus, when he was an older man on the Sanhedrin, saw this new young rabbi when all his popularity thought, let me let me tempt him with some of my power. Let me tempt him with some of my authority. Maybe I can get him on my team and we can get him to get the people who follow him to follow us because I'll, 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 I'll appeal to his desires for, 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 for control and power and his desire for influence. And Jesus had none of that. <clears throat> Maybe you're still in that place where you're trying to get Jesus to fulfill your plans. Trying to get Jesus on your team. Trying to get Jesus in your house. That's a good start. You're on the path of life. Maybe you're at the middle age Nicodemus story where you're saying, I-, I don't know all about him. I'm not convinced that he's the Lord, but he deserves a fair trial. He deserves to be taken seriously. He deserves to be heard. His words deserve to be studied. He has something to bring to the table. Or what I pray now or in the near future, you would come to the place that we find Nicodemus at the end. <clears throat> recognizing that the sacrifice, Jesus, is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings, and He is the Lord of Lords. And hear me, He is able to bring you into the promise of God for your life. He is able to take you from addiction to freedom. He's able to bring you from depression to joy. He's able to bring you from anxiety to, watch this, peace that passes understanding Bible tells us that He is a good God, setting the solitary in family. And the good news is when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get the whole family of God. You get the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that move in your life, adopt you into the promise and plan of God, and begin working things out in your life to bring you a peace and a love that you never knew on your own. You couldn't achieve on your own. You can't design on your own. Only God can do it. As we find ourselves here in the second week of Lent, Lent is 40 days for a reason. Because you start to get a little tired about the second, third week. Why did I give up those things? Why why am I sacrificing that again? I didn't quite get the payoff yet. God honors endurance and God honors long suffering and if you're still seeking I would say don't stop seeking keep looking because there is a God worth finding stand with me if you would I'm going to close tonight at 7 o'clock 7 o'clock we're going to have intercession Say it after me, 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock we're having intercession. Last week we had intercession for spiritual warfare. It was powerful. Who can say amen to that? It was powerful. Come on. So they're, they're 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 getting ready to sing Waymaker, but I, but I feel I feel I feel I feel like we just need to give somebody an opportunity to give Jesus some praise. And in this moment, I, I wasn't sure how God was going to end the service. And I feel like we just made a safe place for you to let Jesus into some really scary areas of your life. Last week I said when we hide if we're not present with our pain we're hiding from our healing. And uh, today I just want us to welcome Jesus into those scary places in our lives. So those idols don't have the power that they had. And we can see the life of God flourish. We're to sing this one time.
0: You are the of it all. You are the of it all. For from you are all these, and to you are all these, and you deserve the glory. Jonathan,
1: give me- of it all. Come on, put your hand on your heart. That's where it really needs to be.
0: You're worthy of it all.
1: Oh, Jesus, right here.
0: For from you are all these into you are all these and you deserve the glory.
1: One more time. Come on, come on. Worthy. You're worthy, Jesus. You're the only On, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop it. If
0: you're
1: ready to surrender to Jesus, just come on forward and just, just kneel at the altar. If there's an idol in your life, and you're like, I'm ready to get rid of it, I want like to welcome you forward. Now is the time. I'm ready to fully surrender that thing. I'm going to surrender my loneliness. I'm going to surrender my idolatry. I'm going to surrender my addiction. Under my lust. Come on, come on, come on, come on.
0: Don't
1: wait. Come, 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 come. Receive Jesus in His forgiveness, in His washing. you are up here just keep your eyes closed there is somebody I, I never do this but your heart is beating out of your chest because today is your day today is your day if you don't know what's going on that's the holy ghost of god wants to set you free from captivity and you know you need to be down here and receive what god is giving right now to get free so we're going to sing this again if we're not singing a million times i'm not going to manipulate you but I want to let you know, I see in the spirit realm what the devil is doing. And I would like to see him stop doing it in your life. You can start praying. Bring it. Listen, friend, if you need Jesus, I want you to come now. Come now and do not wait. Come now and do not wait. Come, come now, don't wait. come now do not wait. Come, come, now, wait. come now do not wait. Of intercession tonight at seven. You don't have to turn your camera on. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance on you. Let's say it together and give you peace. Come on, give a clap, clap off to the Lord. Listen, Hallelujah. If you decided to start following Jesus today, fill out a connection card. We'll have it in the lobby. People will be there. They'd love to connect with you. We're going to send you a, just a video how to get started on your walk with Jesus. love to give you anything you need. But if you need to stay in this presence, just stay in this presence and let the Lord minister to you for a minute. Oh, yeah. Bless you. I will be in the lobby momentarily. I'd love to meet you here guests today.